want to worship a person like that. I don't want to hand over eternity mm. into the hands of somebody who may have been mistaken about Scripture. And if he may have been mistaken about Scripture, what else was he mistaken about? You know, what is the answer to the question? What does the Lord have to say about X, Y, or Z? And the answer is, what does the Scripture say? You're listening to 1A, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, episode 29. Welcome back to our third series, Confessional Life, where Derek and I will discuss some of the basics of the Westminster Standards and what it means to live it out. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Pres. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. If this is your first time giving us a listen, we want to welcome you. We appreciate you taking the time to check us out. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can visit our webpage, which is firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. To find out how to contact us or how to subscribe, listen to the end of the show. If you do find this ministry useful, then subscribe using the application of your choice. And every Monday, a new episode will be waiting for you. Also, while you're there, leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find our podcast. This is the first of two episodes on Scripture. and this one, I start by asking Dr. Thomas how he would begin a confession if he were to create one. And then, how do we help those that struggle with the doctrine of Scripture? Why is the Bible self-authenticating? And then Derek's pastoral strategy for helping someone confronting critiques of Scripture for the very first time. Now, let's get to our show. Derek, we are in our backup, backup studio here. We're in a cave, <laughs> is what we are. It's not. It's we, we're normally in Studio One A. We we couldn't even get Studio Two B. Like the <laughs> the move has thrown we're, off so much power washing <laughs> outside the window. The construction that you heard well, last noisily. Right. The construction right. you heard last. They're doing a good job. It, it looks beautiful, actually. And if only sanctification was as easy as to call the power washers in. I, this is, this is a sermon illustration yeah. somewhere. Once a year, you just get the power wash. Right, right. Go, go to church, get your soul power washed, and then live how you want. Okay, so, uh, where are we in the standards? We, we talked about history, we talked about why confession, but we've actually picked up with chapter one, which is on scripture. So in the uh, talk on Wednesday, you talked about the decision between starting with Scripture versus starting with God. So, so let me ask you this. If an ecclesiological body came to you and said, Derek Thomas. Ecclesiological? Let's start that over. If an ecclesiastic body came to you and said, Derek Thomas, we want you to write a confession, to, to draft up a confession. Would you start with Scripture? Would you start with God? Or would you start somewhere else? Well, I would tell whoever it was who asked me, you know, to take a hike. Um, no one in their right minds would write a confession. Right. Uh, so a confession would be brought about by at least some ecclesiastical <laughs> body right. uh, or other. But I, I get the sense of your question. So the two the two fundamental standards uh, of say Scottish 
Irish-American Presbyterianism on the one hand, the Westminster Confession, or uh, continental, the Continental Reformation with the Belgic Confession. Uh, and there's a f- there is a fundamental difference between how they begin, and the Belgic Confession begins with the doctrine of God, and and Scripture comes after that, and the Westminster Standards begin with Scripture. Implying the logic that we can't say anything about God apart from what Scripture reveals about God. Mm. Now, you could make an argument that since God reveals himself in general revelation and creation apart from Scripture, Mm. that there is a theological basis for beginning with a statement about God based on God's general revelation of himself, right, which would then lead to God's special revelation of himself in Scripture. Mm. And that would appear to be the logic. This is an, an, a huge issue in the 17th century in, in sort of post-Reformation scholastic theology. And uh, Richard Muller, for example, I think mm. spends maybe 50 pages on this issue mm. in one of his... Uh, erudite volumes uh, on the topic. But uh, I am a convinced Presbyterian. Mm. Uh, I love the Westminster Standards. Uh, I'm not uh, enticed away by the draw of the Belgic Confession. Um, and I'm too old now to, to do anything else. So, no, I, I, I see the logic of beginning with the doctrine of Scripture. Mm. So if someone asked you to create a confession, you would just put the Westminster in their hand. I would just hand them the Westminster Confession of Faith. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes people have trouble here with Scripture in the sense of the idea of it being inerrant and how and why to put their faith in Scripture. Uh, If someone struggled there, what resource would you put in their hand and and why that particular resource right i i think that the majority of people struggle not with the specific doctrine of inerrancy you know most people struggle with scripture because they don't know it Mm. they don't love it they don't learn it they don't cherish it they don't hide it within their hearts um they live with a um a, a fairly loose attachment to scripture. Hmm. So the, the 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 first thing that we need to be convinced of is that scripture is the word of God. Hmm. That when scripture speaks, God speaks. You know, what is the answer to the question? What does the Lord have to say about X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, what does the scripture say? So, uh, you know, I do think that there's a pastoral uh, issue about about having uh, a relationship with the Bible. Hmm. So you read the Bible. You read the Bible every day. You read the Bible several times a day. And you read the Bible um, as it's meant to be read, uh, and not just as a little promise box. Hmm. Uh, I mean, there are times when you go to the Bible to get a promise, for sure, but you read the Bible as literature. Right. Um, 
and and an assortment of literature, uh, history, and apocalyptic, and poetry, and proverb, and gospel, and and uh, epistle, mm. uh, and 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 several other things, mm. um, poetry, mm. um, and therefore implying all of the um, hermeneutical, interpretive mm. uh, techniques. Uh, suitable for that literature, but 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 I mean it, the Bible is a book. Yeah, it contains words. It mm-hmm. contains nouns and verbs and adjectives and and subordinate clauses and sentences that run off and never end. Right, uh, as in Ephesians chapter one, the famous lengthy sentence of, of Paul's, mm-hmm. uh, and and Paul sometimes runs out of steam and doesn't actually finish his sentence, but. You know, I spoke on Wednesday about the Reformation doctrine, Calvin's doctrine, of the testimonium internum spiritus sancti, mm. uh, the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. So my my experience of the Bible, and, and mine was a very, you know, dramatic and definitive experience of the Bible. I'd never read the Bible. Uh, I don't think that I'd ever read the Bible. I'd had a, I had a very classical education, but I did not read the Bible. Mm. Uh, so I was 18 when I first encountered the Bible mm. and read it. And it for me, it was immediate. Mm. Now, I, I had already been converted at this point. I, I believe that I was already a child of God. So mm. when I opened the Bible... Hmm. I immediately realized that this is like no other book. Hmm. And it testified to me, this is God speaking Hmm. in this book. The Bible witnesses to itself. Hmm. So one of of Calvin's contributions, I think, here is um, that the Bible is... Autopistic, hmm. autopistos, uh, self-authenticating, and that's an important point because if, if indeed, say, the the two the two hinges on which this turns would be passages like Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is breathed out, theopneustos, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in the way of righteousness, that Mm. the man of God might be thoroughly furnished into every good work. Mm. Um, So the scriptures are breathed out. Mm. So so the image is breathing out, Mm. exhaling, Mm. and what you've got is scripture. So, So the Bible then is God speaking. Uh, or, or second Peter chapter one, where Peter is alluding to, of all things, uh, the transfiguration. And he, he's saying, I was there on the holy mountain. Hmm. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. Hmm. You know, it's the, it's the, which would you prefer, Josh, to be on the holy mountain and see Jesus transfigured or you get a Bible in your hand. Which, which is which would be more? Which one would you want to talk about around the cooler on Monday morning? 
if, if I had to be honest, it would probably be the Mount of Transfiguration. Of course. Of course. So it's absolutely breathtaking that Peter would say, yeah, I was there. You know, I was there. Mm. I, I, I was there. But we have a more sure word of prophecy mm. than that. Mm. Uh, that's breathtaking. Mm. Men spoke from God as they were driven along by the Holy Spirit, mm. Peter says. Mm. And he uses that verb, driven along, which is the verb Luke implies in the closing chapters of Acts, mm. when Paul in the shipwreck at sea, uh, they, they let down the sails and allowed the boat to, to drift, mm. driven driven by the wind, and it's the same verb, driven. So so Peter is using a, a, a verb that is almost suggestive of uh, a point of view that, that human beings have no part to play in the Bible at all. Now, Peter isn't actually saying that. Men wrote yeah. as they were driven along. Mm. So Peter is emphasizing both the human element in Scripture and the divine element. Now, you know, back to your question, you know, the person who um, doubts inerrancy, you know, a college student who was raised in a Christian home and goes to a church and and has always assumed the Bible is the Word of God, never really thought about it much, never been challenged, then, you know, bang, he's in college and some, some crazy postmodern professor begins to undo the Bible, right. showing contradictions, suggesting uh, that things aren't as neat as tight and tidy as you think they are. Right. And, and Archaeological differences right. and all the, yeah. All the stuff that people throw at the Bible to disprove its divine quality. And that it is just a human book and that, that very little of it can be trusted. Hmm. Uh, and so on, and and you know they uh, they adopt and encounter a postmodern view of history that you, that history you know and Lessing's great ugly ditch that you can't really know the past no. because by the time you've you know like whispers by the time you've passed on the story ten times twenty times thirty times it, it's lost all bearing with the past so no. so what we have in scripture is. A story of a story of a story of a story, so you can't really trust it, and right. it's been edited and re-edited and and so on, yeah. etc. So, so, so now you have doubts about the inerrancy of Scripture, and what do you do about that? Mm. You know, and and assuming this person is a believer, mm. if the person isn't a believer, you've got some other issues to deal with. But, but assuming this person is a believer, you know, I I think I would just go back to Jesus, mm. and I would say. Did Jesus believe the Bible, the Old Testament in this case? Yeah. And frankly, the Old Testament is probably more difficult to believe than the New Testament, mm. right? So did Jesus believe in the inerrancy of the Old Testament? Mm. Yes, because he said the scriptures cannot be broken. Mm. Right? They cannot be torn apart. Mm. You, you, you can't apply pair of scissors and say, well, this part's inspired, this part isn't. Mm. Just this, not that. Mm. Well, okay, so so Jesus believed in the, didn't question the authority 
uh, of Scripture, never questioned it, underlined it constantly in the course of his ministry. But Jesus was a man of his day. He was merely reflecting the conservative opinion about Scripture that Jews had. Well, do I want to worship a person like that? Mm. I mean, I might admire somebody like that, but do I really want to worship? Do I want to hand over eternity mm. into the hands of somebody who may have been mistaken about Scripture? And if he may have been mistaken about Scripture, what else was he mistaken about? Mm. Right. So, you know, my my pastoral window would be, what is your relationship with Jesus? I want to believe what Jesus believed. Mm. My safety net here is, I'm going to believe what Jesus believed. Do I believe what modern scholarship may be saying? You know, when I went to seminary, modern scholarship said that the Gospels were written in the second century. Forty years later, I mean, liberal scholars are saying that the Gospels were probably written before AD 70. Mm. Well, hello. Right. You know, so much for modern scholarship. You know, much of modern scholarship is driven by prejudice you know, and personal narrative as as any other discipline. Yeah. Uh, no, that doesn't mean to say that we're we're just complete skeptics about everything. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think for the college student, say, who who is encountering disbelief about the Bible, mm. there are there are personal issues. Your relationship with Jesus. And did Jesus believe the Bible? What does the Bible claim about itself? Right. And then there are, you know, probably larger meta-narratives that one has to address. Mm. And what is the prevailing soup out of which this this unbelief and skepticism is emerging from mm. and challenging that? You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all our episodes, which you can find on our webpage at firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcasting applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or issues you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can reach us at our email address, which is 1A at firstprescolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstprescolumbia.org. Or via our Twitter account, which is at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A Podcast. Or by phone, 803-281-1795. 803-281-1795. For Dr. Thomas, I'm Josh Squires. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.